Welcome to another inspiring message from Milestone Church in Keller, Texas. Welcome to week two of our Let's Talk Family series. I want to welcome those of you watching online and those of you in our 1230 video service. As you can see, our format's a little bit different than what we normally do. About maybe seven or eight years ago, our team asked Pastor Jeff and Brandy if they wouldn't mind us asking them some questions and talking together in an interview style, and you guys uh, willingly agreed to do it. It turned out to be one of the things that you guys all enjoy. It's one of our most watched and downloaded sermons of the year, so thank you guys again for being willing to do that. Before we jump into the questions, Pastor Jeff, it's already been a big weekend here at Milestone. Lots of red shirts out in our community. I know you wanted to take a moment and talk about it. Well, I just want to celebrate um, just the impact of a whole group of people coming together and serving our community as we had our annual serve day this weekend. And on Saturday morning, we had a rally. A lot of you started out in different places, but many of you came here. We had a full auditorium of red shirts, the church not perfect, not having it all together, not just staying within its four walls, but going out and serving our community. And I just wanna say thank you for all of you that served. I know you do it out of your heart. Uh, we like to say that no one can do everything, but everyone can do something. And then what I think is really cool when you see that sea of red shirts is you just yeah. see the power of all of us bringing our part and then the body of Christ being so powerful and loving the people around us. We had 105 projects. We had everything from clearing the code violations in our community. We had an older gentleman here in Keller who used to do these kind of things, and we had a team of people. He had all kinds of trees and code violations, and the city provided a dumpster. We filled an entire dumpster with chipped wood of all the wow. stuff we cleaned around his house and he was overwhelmed because he and his wife having some health things and getting a little older he, he said I didn't know there were still people who did this kind of thing yeah. and he was just so moved yeah. by it we had showers uh, for ladies who chose life and chose to have their children and so we we had baby showers and so many different things did you know we had a group putting together robotic hands for children in war-torn countries. Wow. Yeah. That, that's, that's just, when I heard that, I thought, wow. Right. And serving all our first responders, loving our communities, and thank you for being a church that serves that way. I know you went to the showers, right? I did. Honey? I got the privilege of um, getting to go to four um, baby showers yesterday for the, the moms, the single moms that had chose life, and each of them have different circumstances and um, things that they have to overcome, but they chose life, and so I got to go to each of the showers, but each shower was kind of in a different place in its little um, journey as I, I stopped. Some of them were at the opening gifts part, some of them were at the games part, you know, and I got to one of the showers, and it was at the part where they were just going around and introducing each other. So many women had come to the shower, and mm -hmm. so they were going around, so many milestone women that didn't even know each other, and mm -hmm. so they would go around and say, hi, I'm so-and-so, and I've been at Milestone for five years, or hi, I'm so-and-so, I've been at Milestone for six months, and they just kept going around, and um, then it got to where the mom was, she had asked a friend to come for support. Um, and so I got to her friend, and her friend says, well, hi, I'm Erica, and hey, and she looks at the mom, she said, you remember that church I've been telling you that I love and I'm getting plugged into? This is the church. I didn't even know they were the ones putting on your shower. I heard they served people, but wow, to be on the receiving end of it is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And so it was a really sweet story. story. She was on the serve team and didn't know it. Come on now. She didn't have a red shirt, but she was on the serve team. And you guys, you're just amazing. You work together. Mm -hmm. You walk in unity. You love people generously. And so serve day was a big success. It's a, it's a great picture. Well, here we are in week two of Let's Talk Family. And week one was great. And a lot of people watched online, a lot of people in, in the community. And Brandy, you were in the message, but you didn't really get to participate in the message. And so I thought it was only fair or appropriate that we let you add anything or qualify anything that was in the message yeah, last week. I appreciate that. I do get to be in the message a lot. I never get to respond to any of that. And, um, but you know what's funny is we do laugh a lot in our marriage. We have fun, we, we don't take ourselves too seriously. So, you know, there were several things that he said last week that actually hit me, things that are so good. And one thing, in, you know, specifically really stood out to me because it's really a principle that if you grasp this principle, it can change your life. And it doesn't matter if you're in grade school, high school, um, you're married, you're single, uh, you're in your older years. And that was the phrase your vision for the future gives you power in the present. Mm -hmm. You know, I know for me, it's been so true, and it's been true in our marriage, but when I was um, in the high school and the Lord had given me a word to wait for my husband, that if I didn't date around, he would bring me a godly man, which was the desire of my heart, my vision for a preferable future and for that godly man gave me power to do the hard things when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. And, And it was hard. And I remember after we got married and the honeymoon phase wore off, and, this is um, all theory. Yeah. This is theory right here. This is not. And I thought, okay, so if I want to be happily married in 20 years, that's my vision for the future. You know, I, I need power in the present to do the hard things now to make mm-hmm. that come to reality. Good. So that was one of the things that just really hit me. You know, I think yeah. it's really good. Well, Pastor Jeff, I know in the community this week, being out and about, you heard a lot of people giving you feedback on it, telling you what they thought. Well, well, I know it's a, it's, it's a place where we have a lot of pain, right. but even as we talk about these topics today, we're, we're looking to paint this picture that God has, the heart that he has, even with some of the challenges and difficulties. And I, I, we're going to talk at the end about blended families. And so when I say this, I want you to know that it's not in any way to condemn or to make light of what you've gone right. through in a marriage that's broken up. However... We have to keep painting a picture to younger people who are planning to be married and those who are currently married to hold marriage in a high esteem. And so we're always gonna fight for you believing that that marriage can stay together because if you don't have that vision, then you start to bring on the cultural narrative. Well, she's not my soulmate. She doesn't meet my needs. This marriage doesn't make me happy. Uh, You begin to bring into play all of that, and then you begin to act according. The Bible says, as a man thinks, or woman thinks in their heart, so are they. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. And so we just want to continue to hold that up. I mean, I, I talk to people about, you know, they'll just think, well, we'll just kind of divide this thing. Well, well, a marriage is the basic building block of life and, and an atom is the smallest thing of matter. And if you take an atom, a lot of people think, well, just kind of slice it. You know, well, if you split an atom, you get a bomb mm-hmm. and, it, and, it, and it goes off. So I, if there's one person listening to me that says, it's hopeless, I can't get there, I'm always going to give you the heart of God. And that is, I've seen multiple situations where God brings about a restorative work and, uh, and so we're just going to celebrate that God's given all of us, as Brandy said, kids, wherever we're at, a greater heart and a greater picture for him to take us where he's called us to go. 
One of the things you said last week that really stood out to me, you said you had more vision for your family than you did for your ministry. And we've been friends a long time, been friends since either of us had kids, and I've always known you to be a driven person. And, and maybe for a lot of us in the room, it, ministry doesn't make as much sense, but it would be career or objectives or goals, and we're a goal-driven community. And it seems like that stood out to me because so many times in the family life, you guys have four kids, we have four kids, your calendar, your events, you can feel like life just runs from one event to the next to the next. And, and having an event-driven life is not the same as having a vision-driven life. And so a reminder to go, okay, what kind of family are we trying to have? What kind of marriage are we, having, are we trying to have? And let the events support that instead of the other way around, which I think is such a helpful insight for all of us to think about. And I know this is where we're all living because so many of their questions came in. We're gonna go ahead and get to the questions. Last week we put up this number, and I wanna thank you uh, as the Milestone family because you guys did incredible. From the moment we put this number up there, you started texting, test, test, is it gonna work? And then as soon as somebody responded, yes, it's working, you started firing off questions. You guys really like to text. We should have known this about you, right? <laughs> and you were awesome. You were courageous and vulnerable and honest and asked really good questions. So we're gonna do our best to keep answering them. We're also gonna do it next week. So if you have a question that you didn't have a chance to ask or if you think of one, you can keep working and keep sending those questions in. But we took all those questions, Try to group them together into some of the most common, and we're gonna go through as many of them as we can. So Brandy, we'll start with you. Uh, one of the biggest challenges in a family moving toward a similar vision or a shared vision is learning to communicate in a healthy way. We knew this was coming. I thought this was interesting, listen to this. For example, we got a question from a woman who said she and her kids came to Milestone and they were all baptized here, but her husband is agnostic and he rolls his eyes when she tries to talk about spiritual things in their home. How can we grow, all of us, how can we grow in this area? Well, honestly, we probably all do need to grow in this area. You know, it doesn't just apply to a woman whose husband is agnostic, sure. but we all probably need to grow. You know, my whole thing with this question was, well, if he's agnostic and he's not really searching out God, he's not going to church, he's not reading a Bible, he's not then you may be the only Bible that he ever reads. You may be, your life may be the only picture of a Christian life that he really sees. And so what are you gonna do that's different than what he expects when he rolls his eyes? How is your response gonna uh, be something that's different than you know just getting mad at him and being ugly to him? And so it goes back to the, one of the principles that Jeff talked about last week, which is go first principle. Mm -hmm. And so when you're going first, you go first regardless of what the other person is doing. That's what makes it so hard, right? And so you're going first when they're rolling their eyes, when they're being ugly, when they're making right. fun of what you're doing, and you choose. It's something that you choose to do. And so when your husband is rolling his eyes or making fun of you or being sarcastic or just annoying you or whatever it is, you know, no matter what you're, you know, if you're Again, both going to church, theory. all theoretical, yeah, it's all not theory. experiential. Yeah. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, you're gonna have moments in life, if you both go to church, if you both love God, that you're just, you get in patterns of talking to each other, you know, in an unkind way. But you just start being kind. If he rolls his eyes, just tell him, it's okay. I just want you to know I love you. I'm glad I married you. I'm glad you're the father of my children. And I'm looking forward to us finishing out our days well together. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that God put you in my life. I'm so thankful for you. And start speaking life over him. Start speaking what God sees in him and the potential he has. He must have had something great in him for you to wanna to marry him to begin with. Mm -hmm. So start calling those things out and right. telling him who he is. Because it's amazing how when you do that, it's hard to be mad or mean to somebody that's loving you well and speaking 
kindly to you. You know, no man, women, no man wants to come home. You know, he's just not coming home from work thinking, I can't wait to get home because she's gonna nag me to death, (laughs) right? And you wanna provide an environment, and the husbands do too, but I'm I'm talking to the women. You wanna provide an environment that is life-giving in your home, Mm -hmm. that they wanna come home to. And you say, well, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve respect, they're ugly, they're mean, they're whatever but you never do anything in your Christian life as a Christ follower because of what somebody else does. You do it not because they deserve respect, but because you're a respectful person. Right. Right? And so you do it based on who you are, and when they see you, they see it that that's something different than how normal people would respond, and then they might just want a little bit of what you have. And so that's the best way I would say to reach that person. And that lady that wrote that question and came up Mm -hmm. to me last night, Mm -hmm. and she said, I'm so glad you said that. I was not exactly nice this afternoon to my husband, but I'm going to go home and tell him I'm sorry, and we're going to start over, so. So good. And I, and I know, Brandy, we've been talking about this. It's not just an opinion. It's not just a, a, a pragmatic tip that'll help. It also comes right from the Bible. It does. It says in First um, Peter chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your life. So you don't even have to say anything just by the way you treat them, just the way, by the way you love them well, they can be won over. Now, Pastor Jeff, you've been joking. You've said multiple times, this is in theory, this is in theory. <laughs> and we've been friends a long time, like I said, and I know it's not in theory. You, you take your own medicine. <laughs> you guys are following along, I appreciate that. I just happened to have an example a couple weeks ago. We were in like, service 15 of Easter, and we were talking in the back, and uh, the two of you started having a discussion, and I was there, and so I kind of just started to slowly drift out of the room, uh, because I knew where this train was headed, and I have to say, (laughs) you had expectations of how the weekend was going to go. Brandy had some expectations of a family Easter moment that she was trying to get ready, and uh, you were not having shared expectations, and so I'm like, I'm going to just quietly walk out of the room, but honestly, to your credit, again, I watched when you were a young man in your 20s, you would have, you would have doubled down, and you didn't. You stopped, and you said, listen, okay, here's what, here's what I'm expecting. Is there a way that we can find a way to work? There? And Brandy, to her credit, goes, you know, and, and I'm kind of like, oh, man, we dodged a massive bullet right there. That was powerful, right? Like, and so how does that happen? How do you grow? How do guys get better? Because I feel like we can all get better. We need to get better. How does that work? I actually stopped and the kids were there and I said, <laughs> hey, this is training for marriage. And uh, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> yeah. So I said, which I, I did not understand early on in marriage as much, what are your expectations? What are you, where are you trying to go? How can we be on the same page going into the next few hours mm-hmm. so we don't end up at the end of the day on two different places with different expectations? And again, that's learned. I'm, I'm growing just like you, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm learning that. But it comes from the Bible as well. Uh, the passage of scripture that Brandy read where it's talking up here about how to, to honor and to love and, 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 and you do that awesome. Mm-hmm. I've always felt respected and honored and loved. With what I do, you have plenty of critics. Mm-hmm. But the reason today I do what I do with life and energy is there's mm-hmm. always, no matter what you think, there's always a big, beautiful-eyed girl right over there mm-hmm. who sits there who thinks that I'm the hero. Yeah. But anyway, I did, that's no, awesome. Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, but, but in that same passage, 
It says, you husbands, same way. Live with your wives in a considerate way. And it's back to vision. You consider her when you see her properly and understand that God gave her to you as a partner in life and that you're better together. One puts a thousand to flight, two puts 10,000 to flight. So that's why in that same passage it goes, look at her, respect her, see her in the right way. In fact, the Bible says that your wife is your, it's the word ezer in the Hebrew. I know it's not a pretty word, ladies, but it's, it's kind of like you make it easier. But anyway, it's mm-hmm. easier, mm-hmm. but it, it means help. And you go, well, help, is that subservient? You know, like, is that less than? No, no, no. That's the same word that's used that we look to God from where our help comes from. Mm-hmm. It's a power, okay? It's, it's a power. Again, not being crude, you, a, a man gives a woman a little bit of seed, and in nine months, she produces a baby. You give a woman a little bit of consideration, mm-hmm. she multiplies that to an entire family. Yeah. You give a woman a little bit of money, she'll turn your dump into something beautiful. Come yeah. on now. You give her a little bit of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. Yeah. Praying for you, that's all yeah. I can say. So, so be, I'm growing just like you, but just guys, be more considerate of your helper, yeah. of your partner of your one who multiplies your efforts. And God says this in the passage, so your prayers are not hindered. Right. right. Wow. Right. The prayers for your children, the prayers for your business, the prayers for your future right. are hindered by the way you treat this woman. Gives us a higher vision, doesn't it? Does. It gives us it does. a higher vision. Yeah. It does. Well, the next question we got is a little bit controversial. We, we got it so many times though, I thought it was important. It's a communication question. Uh, but it's a, about a specific topic. Brandy, here's the question. Multiple, multiple groups sent this in. How do I talk to my kids about sexuality, LGBT lifestyles, and changing cultural attitudes on these issues? Yes. An easy one, right? Just here <laughs> no you go. Um, well, you know what? This is tricky because it is a touchy subject. But I want to start by saying there should be nothing that your kids can't talk to you That's about. Good. True. Honestly, there should be no subject that is off limits for you and your children to be able to talk about because they're gonna get their information somewhere mm-hmm. and you would rather it be from you. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard because things are changing and sometimes we don't even know if we feel equipped to answer them properly. Right. And people say, well, there's nothing, you know, um, it, you know, it's the same generation over generation. There are some things that have changed. Mm-hmm. And this topic 20, 30 years ago was not a topic that you had to discuss with your kids necessarily, but now it's very important that we do. Mm-hmm. And I know if you would have told me this when I was younger that I was gonna end up having to talk to my kids, which I have talked to all of them about these subjects, I would have been like, da 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 you know, like, no. But we don't really have an option. We're the parent. God made us the parent for a reason. And so we have to be able to breach these conversations with our children. And it's hard because even as I'm speaking about this, it's a very polarizing subject. Mm-hmm. And you have already probably decided in your mind and you're in one corner or another. And so you're ready for, you know, to get mad or to disagree with what I'm saying, but we're not even gonna use my opinion today. We're gonna go to the Bible, okay? So... What happens is though, and the reason this is so touchy and so hard to talk about, is in our culture, we have gotten this philosophy that love and acceptance mean the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so if you love me, you accept me. If you love me, you agree with me. If you love me, you let me do what I want. And love and acceptance are mutually exclusive 
to each other, okay? I can love you and not accept what you're doing, but I cannot accept what you're doing and be nice to you. Mm-hmm. Because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, mm-hmm. right? So when we, when we talk about these things, it is, it is tricky, but if you're to here today, and I'm assuming that the person that asks this question is a Christ follower and mm-hmm. wants to go on what the Bible says sure. about it, right? then we have to go to 2 Timothy. If we believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says all scripture, all scripture, it means all scripture. And you say, well, it's antiquated. We've got new things that we're talking about. This isn't, you know, no, no, no. Everything that we're talking about right here has been addressed in the Bible and it happens, okay? So all scripture is God-breathed, useful for teaching, helping us to know, rebuking, changing our mindsets, correcting us, and training us in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what I do, if I have an opinion, a feeling, what I think is right, culturally or otherwise, I have to go to the Bible and say, okay, God, teach me what you say about this. What does your word say? Rebuke, rebuke my head, my thoughts when they're wrong. Correct my mindsets that don't line up with your word and help me to be trained in righteousness. And so that's our standard of what's right and what's wrong. Now, you say, but Jesus was tolerant. Jesus loved people in their sin. Jesus accepted people. And yes, you look at this, the scripture where uh, Jesus is with the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And they, the leaders drug her out on the street and they were gonna stone her for that. And Jesus looked at each of those leaders and, and said, whoever's without sin, you throw the first stone. And when she looked up, they were all gone. And he said, they don't condemn you and neither do I. Now, so many times we wanna stop right there. See, Jesus doesn't condemn. Jesus loves everybody and he does. If you've been in a pit, if you've been in a mire of sin, if you've been in the worst low places that you could possibly imagine, Jesus wants to pick you up and set your feet on solid ground. He loves you, he wants to bring you out of that. But you cannot forget what he said right after that. He said, go and sin no more. Mm -hmm. The goodness of God leads us to repentance, not to keep on sinning. The grace of God abounds not for sin to abound even more, but that we see that grace and we receive it in our lives and we get set on solid ground, right? It's good, it's good. So much of the cultural narrative around sexuality centers on this idea of feelings, yeah. right? If God made me and he gave me these feelings, why would he give me these feelings if he didn't want me to act on those feelings? Therefore, they must be justified, they must be right. How do you help someone process through this idea that's so prevalent that whatever is feeling, whatever you feel strong enough, that's what you should act on? Yeah, and when you touch the area of sexuality in our world today, um, if you want God's perspective, then sometimes it's helpful just to help people with even how do you approach the Bible. Right. As we say, all scripture is God breathed, and then people might say, well, well, how do we really, man, that's a big book and there's a lot in there. Obviously, the main thesis and theme is Jesus. Jesus is our example, and so Brandy referencing Jesus in that situation, what a great picture. But just another help might be that when we have our step one, 101, we talk about having unity in the essentials. Mm-hmm. So scripturally, there's essentials here. There's there's cultural things that happen in the Bible that are maybe not an essential, right? But there are moral norms, there are moral consistencies of the Bible that you have to embrace. What am I talking about? 
Unity in the essentials. You know, Jesus is Lord. The Bible is the word of God. Jesus will return. The non-essential might be that we would all might have a different opinion about how he will return. Will there be a thousand year reign? Will there not be? You know, how will all this work? Can you get a tattoo? Should the pastor wear a suit? Can you baptize one way? Those might be, again, non-essentials. So we talk about it this way. Unity in the essentials, liberty in the non-essentials, but love for all. Mm -hmm. to, to meet a Christian means to find someone that loves every single person. But what I would say is I put up last week when it comes just to sexuality, here's a, here's a thought, Genesis, God laid it out. Man leaves his father and mother, joined to his wife under God. They then carry out that relationship in that context. Jesus affirms that in Matthew 19. So Jesus affirms God. And then in Ephesians 5, Paul says the same thing. It's the same pattern. So to extract that moral truth from the scripture means to begin to discount much of what the Bible says. And so um, we, just, we just lean on what the word says. And that really is at the end of the day with your children, what I'd encourage you with, not just with this topic, just, just go back to the word. Mm -hmm. It's eternal. Just go back to the word with them every time, mm -hmm. okay? Yeah. And I think this is, it's important that we say that it, in this environment, it, the challenge isn't having the feelings, the challenge is what you do with the feelings. And so when we say, go back to what the word says, we wanna help you, we, whether it's restore, whether it's in small groups, or whether it's a freedom ministry, there are places to go to find help with like-minded people who are gonna go, this is a challenge that you're going through, but this is a challenge you can get through. And I think that's such a big part of how we can walk through this together. Okay, we, we got a bunch, like that was a parenting question, but here's many, many more on parenting. I thought maybe the most helpful way to do this would be to kind of separate into some different life seasons, because right. the challenges and maybe the responses look a little different right. in different seasons. So Brandy, why don't you start with this? What is the key issue for a parent or parents during the baby through pre-K years? Well, it's simple, but one of the hardest things you have to do, right, is you have to discipline. You have to establish authority, like I'm the parent, mm -hmm. you're the kid, <laughs> you know? Uh, sometimes a two-year-old thinks they're the parent, and, and they're, yeah. you know. <laughs> And, um, and so you have to be consistent with discipline. And that's hard because discipline takes discipline. Right. So when they're throwing a fit, when they're doing that again, you just, sometimes I remember when my kids were little, I had my first two were 13 months apart and there were times that I'm just like, I didn't see that. That didn't just happen. Because <laughs> you don't wanna get up and deal with it again, right. you know, you're tired. And, um, but we have to because we want our children to learn how to obey and we had a, a a saying in our house, first time obedience. And that's hard, and it's hard for you to have to keep living up to, you know, making sure that happens. Right. I was at Target the other day, and I saw a mom, and little Johnny, her little boy was, you know, running around in the clothes racks, and she was like, now Johnny, this is not okay. We are in the store, and this is not the way we act. We are not gonna get in the clothes racks. And in my heart, I was thinking, good job, mama, good job. And then she said, one, two, now, Johnny, I told you not to get in the clothes racks. You know you're not supposed to get in there. All the time, he's running around. And she said, one, two. Now, if you don't get out of those clothes racks, <laughs> she counted to 22 by twos and never got to three. Three's painful for Three's mom. painful because three means you actually yeah. have to do something. Yeah. So she got to 22 by twos, and he was still running around. And why? Because Johnny's smart. 
Johnny knows if yeah. you don't mean it, that when you say it, he better get it together and get out of the clothes racks. And so Johnny's gonna keep doing that. And you know what? You want your children to obey you the first time. If you're going down the street in your neighborhood and you're going to the park and a car's coming by and little Johnny runs out in front of the car, you don't have time to count to 22 before mm -hmm. something destructive happens, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so you want them to obey the first time. One of my, as my kids got older, one of their teachers, when we went to the parent teacher, you know, night said in her classroom, this was her motto, slow obedience is no obedience. And I'm like, ooh, that's good. I'm gonna take that. Yeah. We're gonna make it our own. Yeah. And, um, and so we started coining that phrase in our house, slow obedience is no obedience. Because here's the thing, parents, the way that they learn to obey you is gonna be the way they learn to obey God. It's true. And so you want them to obey God the first time, just like they obey you the first time. But as you go and as you're training them, you train up their heart. Mm -hmm. The Bible talks in Deuteronomy about when you're walking along the road, when you rise, when you go to bed, you're talking about Jesus. You put his word in their heart. So from the time they could talk, we were teaching them John 3, 16, for God so loved the world so that they would know how much they were loved, that he sent Jesus his son. And when they would go to bed and they were scared of the dark, you've not been given a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And you better memorize that one good because you're not coming to mom and dad's room. <laughs> <laughs> so they got that one down fast. <laughs> yeah. But then as the light turns on and their heart is ready, they start understanding the scriptures and they can start claiming those scriptures for themselves and they're already in their heart, they're already there for them to draw on. So it's good because everything you teach them goes back to loving Jesus and what his word says. So if you're teaching them to share their toys, it's because God says that we're not to be selfish, that we're to love others, right? That those who refresh others will be refreshed themselves, that God loves a cheerful giver. And when you're not punching your little friend, you know, it's like God says do unto others as you would want them to do unto you, you know? And, and so you're teaching them principles. Everything from the time they could talk and walk and start doing things, everything led back to God. And if you teach them that worldview as they're little, then they grow up thinking everything I do in life relates to my relationship with God. It's really good. It's really, really good. Well, you know, every season has unique joys and challenges. Pastor Jeff, what about when we, what are the issues we want to focus on during the grade school to preteen years? Yeah, as, as, as you're building, and, and I, want, I want to say to the young families here, you know, the narrative today that just says, you know, agree with your kids and, you know, convince your kids or, or that, you know, this discipline thing would somehow be you know, us not nurturing them. We obviously nurture our children. Right. We, we, we love our children. We create a safe environment. But if you want to be their friend later, you should be their parent today. Yeah. That's good. Okay? And, and, and it's, hard to, it's hard to disciple or discipline that which you worship. Mm -hmm. And we, we're, we're stewards of our children. We don't worship our children, which means we don't put them at the center of the universe and the world. But as you True. move into this preteen phase and mm -hmm. even teen phase, you're looking for some targets. And I would say this, you're looking for heart change, not behavior modification. That's good. So even when we discipline, we're not saying, look, don't embarrass me, right. don't make me look bad. We, we've talked to them about, look, this is, this is your future, right? Like yeah. there's nothing more painful than a parent who has a kid off track. There's no pain like kid pain. Right. But at the end of the day, really, it's not even about us. It's about them fulfilling the purpose they have for their lives and them honoring God and glorifying God. So we're, we're looking for that. The other thing I would say is at that preteen phase, you're, you're looking to start training them on how to hear from God. That's good. Yeah. 
And that's just a way of saying they develop their own convictions. They develop their own heart morality. You know, I can stand here with conviction and say, you know, God is right and God's right all the time and God is good and God's good all the time and God's word's eternal. But at the end of the day, what does every parent want? We want to transfer our value system to them where they own it, right? right? So we start that early praying with them at bedtime, you know, being there beside their bed. And I know some of you are like intimidated by it you know, just a little bit of scripture and just, just start fostering it and learn it together if you need to. Yeah. I have an eight-year-old the other day, you know, and I said, look, we're talking about this. She's like, Dad, I'm not hearing anything. Crickets, you hear anything from God? What's God saying? Prayer time. You pray. What's the mm-hmm. Lord saying? She, she said, I woke up and, 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 I, and God, I feel like God said, read Psalm 85, you know? This is what she told me. And I'm like, I don't know what Psalm 85, I probably should have went and checked. It could say turn or burn or something in there, you know what I mean? And, but, but, you know, I wasn't really concerned with that. I was just concerned and, and excited that, hey, the process is starting. Right. Because right. we're all in a process, okay? Right. So, and then when you get to middle school and teenage years, give them a clear vision of who God created them to be and then help them start working toward it. Can I offer something like, again, we, we're not the experts and our kids are not the standard and we're doing this because we love you. We're just trying to tell you stuff we've learned. We've had mentors, we've had people help us, we've made mistakes. But I would say at that teenage phase, as that middle school phase comes, the vision really becomes very important for where they're going mm-hmm. and, um, and help them start walking toward it. One little thought have a little moment with them as they turn 13. We see it in Jewish culture with bar mitzvahs or whatever, where you basically get influential people, spiritual mentors, get aunts and uncles and grandparents together and have a special dinner, give them a gift, have everybody write a letter about how we're with you, we're on your team. Because mm-hmm. what happens is in, the, in that middle school phase is the feeling I'm trying to make the right choices and I'm all alone. Right. And I'm trying to face it by myself. You wanna communicate to them before they go into it. We're with you, we're on your team. Don't, don't, don't submit to the cultural pressure, yeah. right? Don't start listening to people who don't love you and who won't be there when you go off course, but listen to the people who do love you and a God who loves you. And so you can have those little moments just to anchor that. Maybe take some photos with everybody, put a little book together, and then they can have that in the teenage years to see, man, these are anchor points. This is really who I am, because it's a big identity thing in that middle school phase and teenage phase. This is really who I am not what my feelings say or other people say about me, and yeah. you can encourage them. Yeah. yeah, Brandy, I know during that middle school years, we got lots of questions about that too, as Pastor Jeff's saying. It's like they shift in a moment from being oblivious to what they're wearing to all of a sudden being hyper aware of what their friends think about them, yeah. and who says this, and what's cool. How do you help influence the group and their peers and, and the voices that are in their lives during this season? Right. Never rob your kid of the opportunity to learn a lesson. Mm-hmm. because there are a lot of lessons Good. to be learned in junior high and the middle school years. Um, help them to learn the lesson of apologizing mm-hmm. um, to their teachers, to their friends, to their coaches. I remember they would come to me and they would say, well, my coach just was so hard on me and they don't like me and they have it in for me and blah, blah, blah. And, and Jeff and I would look at him and say, you need to go back to your coach tomorrow and say, yes, sir, what else? Mm. What else do you see in me that I need to improve in? Well, my teacher, she just keeps giving me bad grades. I'm studying, I'm doing everything. I'm like, you are. You're doing everything. You're studying, you're doing everything. My angel, you must, they must have it in for you. No. 
you go tell your teacher, I don't know what I'm not doing that you want me to do, but will you tell me so that I can make sure I do that? Because I wanna be prepared for your test. I wanna do good in your class. And so I'm sorry if I haven't been hitting the mark. Help me be better. Good. Your friends, you've been going around spreading rumors or posting stuff on social media, or you've said something that wasn't true about them, you go back and you apologize. You teach your kids humility. What happens is in this time, they're, they're making changes and it's an awkward time and it's hard on you, so you wanna start blaming their peers. You mm -hmm. wanna start blaming their teachers. You wanna start blaming their coaches. Well, it's their fault. They shouldn't mm -hmm. do that to my kid. They shouldn't do that. That kid is just this or that. Mm -mm. You make your kid take responsibility. Mm. You make your kid grow up and own up to their part in things. And that's what's gonna be the change between them staying in this spot, not taking responsibility or ownership over things and, or, and growing into healthy adults. Mm -hmm. You want them to grow into healthy adults because if you do that, if everything is always everyone else's fault, one day they're gonna grow up and it's all gonna be your fault. Mm. And so you have to teach your kids in these years to take responsibility. But I will tell you what is great about junior high, now that I've shed that light on it. <laughs> Is junior high kids, what I learned is they love to do things in group. Whatever the group is doing, everybody wants to do. <clears throat> so you, as a smart parent, you just take advantage of that. So what can I make available for the group to do that's gonna turn the tide in their favor, right? So I know what we did is like the kids started coming to elevate. So what I would do is I would take more kids than are probably illegal in my suburban home from school and I would have pizza and I would make dessert and we would have a spread and they would stand in my kitchen and they would eat and they would talk and I would talk to them and I found that so many kids just wanna be in a loving environment. Mm -hmm. And then we'd take them to elevate and they would hear the word of God and they were with a bunch of other kids that were passionate for Jesus and it turned the tide of what was the cool thing to do and that's what the group wanted to do. So maybe if you just, you know, I'll tell you middle schoolers will come to food. Yeah. So you put some food out whether you cook and they do love home cooking or if you buy $5 Little Caesar pizzas, you put it out there and they will come and you can help turn the tide because it is a group mentality but you can turn it for the better and you can give some influence and show them the love of God and give them great experiences too. So. That's awesome. Well, Pastor Jeff, we're out of time but I, I wanna say this. You know, I wanted you to have a moment to touch this. You mentioned it earlier. Maybe yeah. a fourth of the questions this year were about blended family scenarios. Yeah. And I know they're out there, they're listening, they're watching online, they're taking notes, they're engaged, they're trying to build a vision for their home. How do these principles, and how do you build this vision for your home when you're in that unique situation? I wanna I want pray for you if you're in that setting, a blended family, because again, we, we recognize it's a complicated scenario couple of areas that I see that just from working with blended families and working with people. One is that it's challenging because you have another home environment with the biological parent that may not share your values. And I realize that's very difficult, but I just wanna encourage you to not quit, okay? Mm -hmm. The word of God does not return void, okay? And so even though that's very challenging, you are training your child to go into other environments. So, so this is just one of the more challenging things they may walk through for a season, but you just keep sowing and you just continue to go first and it's a powerful thing. The next thing would be with the step-parent, and so honestly, it's not trying to replace that person's biological parent with the step-parent, but do remember that you wanna honor the authority of that step-parent just like you would a coach or a teacher or others because that then can create tension in the new marriage if we don't continue to honor the authority of that other step-parent. But I do understand it's a challenging circumstance, 
But again, the word of God does not return That's void. Right. In fact, I just, since we had a third of the questions, mm-hmm. I'm just gonna pray for you. Let's just bow yeah. our heads right now. I wanna pray for everyone at whatever place you're at or situation you're facing, but even pray for you if you're in that one third of the questions with a blended home. Father, I thank you mm-hmm. for these homes, for these families, yes, for these challenging situations and circumstances. And Lord, we thank you that your word does not return right. void. I pray for strength. I pray for hope. I pray for encouragement for those atmospheres. And Lord, we recognize that ultimately they're your children. We're stewarding them and we're trusting you to speak to them, to move in their hearts, move in their lives. And you are a miracle working God who can change any circumstance or any situation. Lord, we pray today for all families, all families in every stage, in every season, grandparents, single adults, people who've been divorced, married people who need, we need to see that vision of that home being what you've called it to be. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this message from Milestone Church. We hope it's been an encouragement for you today. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or discover who we are by visiting our website at milestonechurch.com. 